0: All right, I want to start off by uh, reading this, this verse from Colossians. Colossians 4.17. It's right at the end of Paul's letter. It's the second to last verse. You can miss it if you're just kind of skimming through Colossians. But it's almost an afterthought, right? Paul gets to the end of his letter and he's almost like, hey, by the way, like the, like the Holy Spirit comes upon him. He's like, hey, by the way, say to our cheapest, some random dude in the church, say to our cheapest, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Tell that guy our cheapest, he's writing a letter to the whole church, tell that guy our cheapest, hey, don't forget what God called you to. And make sure you tell him our cheapest, fulfill that. Carry that out. Every Christian has been uh, given a call to minister in God's kingdom. And every church has been given a call as well. So for me in my own personal life, man, I want to fulfill that call. And for us as a church, I want us to fulfill our call. Reality Ventura is called to make disciples of nations starting right here in our own backyards in Ventura County and the coastlands. This is really what we're talking about today, okay? And what we are gonna share right now, we believe God is doing to that end, us fulfilling our purpose, our call as a church. So, there's three parts to what we're going to share today. Uh, Part one, where we've been as a church. Part two, what we are calling a plot twist in our story. And part three, where we go from here. Part one, where we have been. Reality was birthed in these coastlands almost 17 years ago, next month, for a very specific purpose. Emily and I have had the privilege of uh, a humble privilege, honestly, of being like caught up in that and invited into that by the Lord. For us, it started on September 7th, uh, 2003. We were living in East County, San Diego. We were both working at this church where we didn't feel at home. Um, We felt like God had been calling us to leave for a while and participate in something else new that he was doing, but we didn't know what that meant. This is like pre-days where you could just search the internet for, like, whatever was happening. So, like, unless God told you, you didn't know anything, right? And uh, that night, Sunday, September 7th, we, we went to this service, this church service down at San Diego State, um, this brand new church plant, and we, as we sat there, we experienced the presence of God, and there was all these young people, and there was passionate truth being preached, and we were like, God is doing this kind of thing all over California. We know it, And we feel like we're supposed to be a part of something like it. But we don't know what that is or where that is. And so we went home back to the hills of East County, San Diego. And we were frustrated, right? And so Emily was like, I'm going to go pray. And she locked herself in a bedroom. And I, of course, sat down on the couch and turned on the TV. And an hour later, uh, Emily came out of the room glowing, like smiling from ear to ear like this. (laughs) And so I turned off the TV and I was like, baby what happened what did you do in there and she's like the lord spoke to me and i was like what what about what and she was like about where we're supposed to move and i was like what where she's like i don't want to tell you i'm i want i want the lord to tell you too so she said i want the lord to tell you too and i was like okay no pressure right so next morning i wake up sitting there with my bible i'm praying by myself and uh like i see things like i visualize a lot of things right like i not necessarily like prophetic visions all the time but like I just see things in my mind a lot I saw this word Isaiah and I saw these numbers 42 and I was like is that the Lord like God had never spoken to me like that before and so I was like is he telling me to go somewhere in my Bible right now and he wants to say something to me And it was foggy. You know, sometimes when God speaks to you, it's not just like a banner across the sky with an airplane. Sometimes he he uses our own, like, anatomy to speak to us, our own brains, right? Because he made it. He wants to use that for his glory and his purpose. And so I'm like, is this the Lord? And so I opened my Bible up to Isaiah 42. And my eyes fell to this word, coastlands. And I was like, what? I kept reading. And as I read, this word kept popping off the page. It was like, coastlands. Coastlands. Behold, the coastland shall declare my praise. And I'm doing a new work in the coastlands. And the Lord shall go forth like a warrior in the coastlands. And coastland was like popping off the page, and I felt God speaking in my heart, saying, Dominic, I am starting a new work in the coastlands, and I'm inviting you and Emily into it. I want you to join in with it. And I was like, Oh, what? And so I called Emily. I was like, Baby, come here. I think God just spoke to me. And she was like, How? And I was like, from the word. And she was like, where? And I was like, Isaiah. And she was like, what chapter? And I was like, 42. And her eyes got huge. And she was like, coastlands? And I was like, yes. And so we're jumping up and down. We're like, oh, my God, speaking to us. He's calling us to the coastlands. Lord, thank you. And then we realized, like, where the heck are the coastlands? (laughs) And it was a several-month process of us like asking the Lord what does that mean we know you told us what does it mean the night before God had spoken to me Emily showed me her journal she said I want you to look at my journal from last night she had written September 7 2003 fear not new big things coastlands Isaiah 42 We knew God was calling us. We eventually, through a process of crazy discovery, found out that what he meant by coastlands was this coastlands. Because on that exact same September 7, 2003, Reality Carpinteria was having their very first church service in Carpinteria. And unbeknownst to us, God had spoken to them also from Isaiah 42 about the new work that he wanted to do on the coastlands when we realized this after several months we packed up our bags moved the car no money not a dollar no job no health insurance she was pregnant with Selah by then no house but we knew God was calling us and and so we moved up to participate in what God was doing and he began a beautiful work in the coastlands and then a few years later uh, Reality Ventura was planted as a campus originally, as an extension of Reality Carp, and God began a beautiful thing here. And what God started here, he intends to complete. He intends to finish what he started at Reality Ventura. For Emily and I, man, God called us here. God spoke to us and called us here, and we have always just wanted to be faithful. We're just like, Lord, we just want to be faithful. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what we're going there to do. We don't know how we're going to pay our bills, but we know without a shadow of a doubt that you are calling us to the coastlands to participate in what you're doing at reality. And we want to be faithful in that still until our time here is done. And my role has taken on a a lot of different forms over the years. At first it was like youth director and then it was, Uh, you know, worship pastor, and then I went off staff doing full-time music, but I remained on as a lay elder, and I would preach from time to time and lead worship time to time, and then until finally, four and a half years ago in 2016, I came back on staff as an interim, uh, first among equals, uh, which eventually became a permanent position. And so for those four and a half years, I have served at Reality Ventura as the pastor for vision And worship life, and doing it from the uh, first among equals position where I don't lead everything, but I do play a big part in working with the elders to make sure the ball gets moved down the field, so to speak. Part of what we would like to share with you today is about my role moving forward. Spoiler alert, so you're not wondering for the next 30 minutes, I'm not leaving, but there is a transition coming here's the deal. God has made each of us unique. We are each wired by him in a specific way with certain abilities and gifts. We excel in some areas and not as much in other areas. We also each have a calling that lines up with who God has made us to be, where you're like, this is who I am. This is what I was made for. This like resonates with my soul. God made me for this. I believe that's what our cheapest hat in Colossians 4. God had called him to something. It was a calling. And it lined up with who God had made him to be. Fulfill that calling. So for me, who God has made me to be as a leader, first of all, is what they would call a creative type leader. Okay, I'm going to explain what that means in just a moment. And as a communicator and preacher in the church, I'm what they would call a prophetic type of communicator and preacher. So as a leader, here's what that means. I lead as a creative, not necessarily artistic, although that uh, can certainly be part of it, but creative leaders can see the broken pieces in a system, even if there's a bunch of them and it's a mess, and like, we have this God-given thing to be able to see, like, oh, here's how everything comes together and how it needs to come together. We can also see the vision really far out, like, here's where we need to go. Now connecting people to that vision is an entirely different thing. Building that bridge is an entirely different thing. It is very, very, the hardest part of my job, very difficult for me to build that bridge and connect people to that vision. It's one of the common curses, if you will, of being a creative leader. Difficult time building bridges. A pastoral leader On the other hand, which is another type of leader, is a connector by nature. This is what they do. God has made them to connect people from uh, here to the vision. They build bridges. This is necessary in the church. It is all about connecting the people to the vision. If the people can't go, like, what are you even doing then? This isn't a corporation where it's like, that's the vision, get on board or not. You can't do that in the church. It's all about building the bridge. I can lead like this, but it's like using my left hand all the time. It's unnatural, it takes longer, and I don't get as good a result as if I was using my right hand. On the communicator preacher side, uh, I'm what they would call a prophetic type of communicator preacher. Now listen, I don't, love using that word because it sounds presumptuous. We don't have better language than that. So I'm going to use that word. But here's what I mean. I'm not talking Old Testament prophet with a capital P where you speak the very words of God and then you get killed if you got it wrong. Okay, That's not what I'm talking. I'm talking lowercase p, New Testament, prophetic type of thing. Uh, Like my friend Brian Broderson at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa said, I love this simple definition. New Testament prophecy is simply uh, speaking a word from God, whether it's actual scripture or just lined up with scripture, to a specific people at a specific time for a specific purpose. Those times when we roll up on a Sunday and it's like, hey guys, we're going to do something a little different. We're calling an audible today. I think, I think God wants to say something specific. That is a prophetic thing. This whole entire uh, quarantine series that we just got finished with, that has been a prophetic thing. This is also what I do through my music. I am simply speaking forth or singing forth a specific message from God's heart to people and this is great for certain seasons but it is different than a teaching type of communication and preaching that the, the prophetic sermon is like the fat of a ribeye right it's where all, there's a lot of flavor there and it's really rich and it's wonderful but you can't just live on the fat you need the protein of the meat, which is why that verse-by-verse, exegetical, uh, expository preaching of Scripture is the type of teaching that we generally do 90% of the time at our church. And I can do that, that more teaching, less prophetic thing, and I do. But this also is like me using my left hand instead of my right. I can pull it off, but it's less natural, more exhausting, Uh, It takes twice as long, and I don't get quite as good of results as when I'm, like, in my sweet spot where God is— called me to be, really. When you study history, um, you'll see that there are wartime leaders and there are peacetime leaders, right? And and the type of leading required in wartime is significantly different than that of peacetime. And many leaders who are great in wartime are not so great in peacetime and vice versa. This is also true of me. If I am in that uh, first among equals position where I am being called upon to often lead a team, I'm actually best in crisis in the wartime, which I guess makes sense because if you talk to anybody, they'll tell you that wartime almost always requires a prophetic edge and a prophetic voice. When I came on staff in 2016, we were in a time of crisis. It was wartime. There was an identity crisis. It was like, are we an autonomous church? Are we a campus? What does that even mean? Our leadership was in a bit of a crisis. It was like, are they leading? Are we leading? Is that person leading? Who is even leading? Is anyone leading? Um, our gatherings were in a bit of a crisis. It was, it was very dry here when you would come on Sundays often. Um, our, uh, our DNA was kind of under crisis. We had lost a lot of, we didn't know who we were. Like, what, is, what, is, what do we value? What is important to us? Like, what, are, what makes us up Reality Ventura? And our, uh, I'm sorry, the unity was also in a bit of a crisis, like kind of under attack. There was some gossip and division happening in the church. And then the staff was not yet under crisis or in crisis, but uh, was disjointed and disconnected, just trying to be faithful with what God had put in front of them. It was wartime, if you will. And as a creative leader with a prophetic voice, I knew what to do in this moment. God had already given me exactly what I needed to be in this position at that time because it was wartime. And that wartime, that crisis period lasted for several years in some form or another. And so it felt right for me to be in the position I was in during that time. I was able to use my right hand like 70% of the time, if you will, because that's what was required of me in the position. But last year in uh, 2019 that time of war if you will and crisis started coming to a close and we could finally sense that we were starting to be able to exhale again and breathe again which sounds wonderful the problem for someone like me is that I began to be a little bit at a loss as we were coming into this different season I didn't know how to lead exactly I wasn't having the same clarity and vision um Because just like peacetime requires a different kind of leading as wartime, so this new season we were coming into was requiring a different type of leading from me. It was beginning to require me to use what I would call my left hand like 70% of the time instead of the other way around. Specifically, it was requiring more of that pastoral teaching type of leading and preaching from me. The creative leader is great in times of restructuring, but for that long-term steady growth and equipping of the church, you need to lead as a pastor teacher. I knew that's what we needed. And so I began to do this to the best of my ability, but it was feeling less and less right as the year went on and more and more difficult. Let me say it like this. Uh, When I came on staff in 2016, I think Reality Ventura was like a ship ship that had been like thrown up onto a bank of sand from this crazy storm and stuff had like broken on it. And there was like little fires over here and people had like jumped off and the, the staff was like running around, like we gotta fix this and oh, there's another hole over there and we patched that up and it was, it was frantic, right? And uh, it, was, it was mayhem and there was wounded people over there on the side and the ship wasn't going anywhere, it was like stuck. And by the grace of God, man, I came on as a creative type of leader. I was able to look at it all and be like, I think I know what to do. I think I know. Hey, guys, come on. Like, okay, you go take care of that thing. You take care of that. You get off the ship. What are you even doing here? You know, like, let's patch up this thing. And, oh, this person's wounded. Here's how we can care for that. And I knew what to do to rebuild and restructure this thing to get it back in the water for the course ahead. And that was really the work that we did as a church, as a staff, as elders, as you guys. This was the work that we did as a church. It was repairing and rebuilding for like three years on every level. Because that was the greatest need, I was able to participate in it using my right hand. But after a few years, once the ship was restored and rebuilt and back in the water, the greatest need was not rebuilding and restoring anymore. The greatest need now, starting last year, was like charting this steady course in the water. And that requires a different type of leading and a different type of preaching. That is when you need that pastoral leader who can build the bridge, if you will, of taking us there, and that teaching uh, preacher who can equip us for what is ahead. There's still a role. For the creative leader and the prophetic voice, but it's not going to have the same level of prominence as before because the new need is different. You're in a new season. So last year, I began to, like, get some clarity around this. It was a, I was wrestling with it a lot. You know, I was trying to figure it out, and um, I was like, gosh, Lord, I don't, I don't want to be off the ship. I have no desire to leave. I love this ship. I, I want to help it get to its Where it's supposed to go, but I'm also recognizing that I don't know that I'm the right guy to be at the helm, so to speak, for the season ahead of us. I don't want to leave, but I also don't want to try to be something that I'm not supposed to be, because each person has a specific role in the body of Christ, and I just want to be in the right role, not just for my own self, but for the sake of the body, and I want other people in their right role. This is where part two comes in. The plot twist in our story so I'm working through all of this with the Lord and it's last August and Tim Chaddock from reality London is here and he's, he's preaching and I'm sitting in the sound booth and I'm having this epiphany and I'm like see there's guys like that there's guys like Tim if you know Tim he's just this like obviously called and anointed pastor teacher and so I'm sitting here and on one hand I'm really encouraged it's good confirmation because I'm like yeah we need a guy like that to join our team. On the other hand, I was super discouraged because I was like, oh, we need a guy like that on our team. If you don't know, when I came on staff originally, it was as the interim guy. And one of my main jobs was to lead the charge in finding a permanent preaching and vision pastor. And after 18 months of looking non-stop and meeting with people, I had to stand before our church and say to you guys that uh, after all of our looking, we were pretty sure this person didn't actually exist. And if they did exist, they were probably already at one of our other reality churches. Actually, I would like to just pause for a moment here and play a video of exactly what I said. This is from September 17th, 2017. It's 18 months after I, I came on staff this is like baby Dom, no, no beard. Okay, listen, listen to what I shared with you guys, September uh, 2017, two-minute video. And so when I came on staff eight months ago, this was kind of the, the person that I was looking for. And so this is the kind of person that myself and along with others began to pray and search for. And as we did, there was three basic qualifications, just three basic qualifications. I'm going to let you in like a little insider information right here, right? This is like a bare minimum to us. And I think you'll agree with these, these three things. This is what we would expect. Qualification number one, he had to have reality DNA. Qualification number two, he had to be an anointed, gifted, called teacher and leader. Qualification number three, he had to have a specific level of expertise and experience. And after meetings and meetings and meetings with many guys over the last 18 months, I have to say, these three qualifications, which we thought were like a no-brainer to me, I think are this imagined person that's not actually out there. Because honestly, if someone has that level of experience to be able to lead a church this size with everything that comes with it, and that level of reality DNA, then they're probably, like I said, already pastoring one of our churches. And listen, of the eight reality churches, even that, there's only three of those guys who actually have the expertise and experience, I think, to lead this church in a way that we would even kind of be okay with. Britt, Tim Chaddick, and Dave Lomas. And Dave Lomas is even a wild card for some of us more conservative types. So I'm sitting there in the sound booth. Tim's preaching. I'm like, oh, this, yes, okay. And I'm remembering that, right? I'm remembering, oh, good Lord, we did this. We already went through this whole process. I don't want to do this again. Now, granted, uh, a lot of things had changed from 2017 to 2019 when I'm processing all this. The way that we viewed that person had had changed a lot since 2017. Um, how he would operate on our team had changed. You know, we had developed so much uh, plurality and team leadership and we we had such a better understanding of what it meant for us to lead as a team with shared vision and shared leadership we had built our whole structure around like okay there's not a guy like Jesus is the guy right Uh, we're all submitted to him and we lead as a team so the prominence of this guy's role would be different for sure But still, the type of person that we would be looking for would be exactly the same. He would still need to meet these three apparently impossible criteria. Deep reality DNA, an obvious call and anointing to be a pastor teacher, and a certain specific level of expertise and experience to be in this position at a church that had been around for several years, so Tim kept preaching. I'm sitting here. I'm processing all of this. It, it was awesome. It felt, it felt surprisingly awesome to have Tim here. But I was like, gosh, Lord, like we already did this. I, I don't know what to do if those are the only three guys who are an option. We're, we're screwed, honestly, if that is the case because uh, Dave's not really an option. Britt is not an option. Britt was about to retire like right then. And Tim is literally then like the only human that would actually work, but he's in London for the rest of his life, as far as I knew at that point. After church, I uh, grab Emily, and I'm like, as a joke, 100% as a joke, I was like, baby, we need a guy like Tim on our team. Why can't Tim just move to Ventura? Emily didn't give it the time of day. All she said was, Tim would never move to Ventura. And I was like, I know, but it'd be cool, right? If you don't know, Tim grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Then he planted a church in Hollywood. And then he uh, planted a church in London. Of course, Tim would never want to live in Ventura. It was a joke. Two weeks later, uh, I got an unexpected text from Tim. He was like, hey, can we get on a call? Tim and I don't ever talk. Uh, So it was shocking, you know. We love each other. We just don't ever talk. Keep in mind, he knows nothing about what's going on at this point with me. I haven't told anybody. I haven't told a soul. I've just told Emily and Jesus. That's it. So I'm like, yeah, man, we can get on a call. And so he calls me two weeks later. And he's like, hey, man, I'm just asking you to pray for us. Um, Lindsay, his wife, and I have been sensing a call out of London unexpectedly for like a year. God's calling us out. And uh, as we we're processing this this last year, then our, our middle daughter Phoebe got this weird heart condition, and we realized that we were actually gonna need to make some big lifestyle changes, and we we see it all coinciding that God is like calling us into a new season of life and ministry together as a family, and we believe He's calling us back to California. And so I'm just listening, and he was like, But as we've talked about it, where would we even go in California? It was like well, that doesn't make sense, and that place doesn't make sense, and the only place that, like, even seems right for us is somewhere in the coastlands. And I was like, okay, I'm just listening, and he was like, listen, here's the deal, though. I don't even know if there's anything for us in the coastlands. God has called, this is what he said, God has called me to be a pastor and to teach his word, and to equip his people. And I love our family, the reality family. Like, it's in my blood. I want to be at a reality church. So I don't even know what God's doing right now, but we're just sensing a call back to the coastlands to participate in what he's doing. Would you pray for us? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'll pray for you. Also what exactly do you mean by the coastlands, Tim? And he was like, I I don't know. I don't know where we'll end up ministering, but honestly, the only place that seems right for us to live and do life is Ventura. So let me just break it down, okay? At the exact moment in time when I am feeling a a call to move over from my position at Reality Ventura, Tim is sensing a call to leave London, come back to California, to the coastlands where he is hoping to live and do life in Ventura, hopefully at a reality church where he can pastor and teach people in the reality family, the exact city and church where I'm sensing a call to like move over at the exact same time that he's sensing all of this. Like you can't make this up. You can't write this. And so he's telling me this and we're both like, oh, what is happening right now? Like none of us knew any of this about each other, right? And so we're re- recalibrating like, wait, what is God, is God doing something? And it seems so obvious. Like you should have just been like, all right, let's move tomorrow. But we were so freaked out. It was so unexpected. that We were like, I don't even, I don't know what to do. Uh, can I talk to you in two days? I got to pray. Both of us got the phone. We're like, let's pray. We'll talk in a couple days. And so we began praying. This is in September. We began praying. Um, praying and I, I felt like, gosh, I, obviously it seems like the Lord's in this, but we need to do our due diligence, right? We gotta ask some questions or something. And I did. I wanted to know, like, uh, what kind of leader is Tim? I know him as a preacher, I know him as a friend, I've known him for 20 years, I love him to death, but I've never worked with him as a leader. Like, what kind of a leader is he? Is he gonna, like, want to lead in the same way that we lead with that flat model of leadership and what does he think about our team teaching kind of approach and every time I asked him a question I was like dude that's what we've been doing in London that's what I did in LA like that's what I desire to do and it's like it's thing after thing like would we work together like how could we work together I wasn't feeling like God was calling me to leave um, and so when we worked together, it was like, oh my gosh, like you balance me out and I balance you out. And there's this cool partnership there. And, and, and he's like, what are the elders like there? And it's like, well, they're like this. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. That balanced me out because I'm not that. And it was all of this like orchestration is what it felt like. Honestly, unbelievable. But still, uh, Billy and Chad didn't know anything that was going on at this point. And, and so I'm submitted to them as elders. You know, I had no idea how they would respond to this. And so last fall, I sat down with Billy and Chad and shared with them what I was discerning about my own position um, at the church, everything I just shared. And they got that. They, they, they embraced that and um, agreed with that and what, what we would probably need moving forward, agreed with that. And then I shared with them what was happening with Tim. And uh, as I shared with them, they, they began to just sense like, gosh, yeah, man, it just seems like God is in this But still, our style is to go slow, especially with stuff like this. And so we then started praying and having Skype calls with Tim and emails and phone calls and meetings for months throughout the fall. And then in January of this last year, Tim was already going to be here in California for a conference he was teaching at. And so he just extended his trip and was like, I just want to spend time with you guys. Let's talk. I want to spend time in Ventura. uh, And then I'll preach when I'm there and just see how it feels with like this new lens you know and so we did that we we spent time together and we asked him lots of hard questions and talked about his strengths and his weaknesses and our strengths and our weaknesses and how we might work together and we uh, we asked lots of questions he asked lots of questions and um, it became more and more obvious like wow I think God is just in this he and his daughter Lily were here um, on that trip his oldest daughter she's 16 and this is just a cute little story, but as they drove into Ventura that, that week from Los Angeles, she didn't know what was going on. She knew, had no clue, but she's looking around, and she turns to Tim in the car, and she says, Dad, I want to live here. Tim just smiled and didn't say anything. So we met that week, talked about all of these things, and as we did, it became clear and clear that God was doing something. And quite honestly, what became most clear was that this wasn't actually about Tim, this wasn't actually about me or our team, this was about what God was doing in the coastlands through Reality Ventura. Yes, Tim would come and fill the role that I was in, but this wasn't a replacement as much as it was an addition to our team and an expansion for what was coming in the future. There was still a very specific role for me to play, which I'll talk about in a minute. But we also really needed Tim for what the future held. And we could see God's hand in this. Because every member has a purpose. And when all of those members are working together, then the body functions how it's supposed to. So then Tim preached on that Sunday. And uh, some of you remember, it, it was just like honestly amazing. I was, I was sitting here in the congregation with Emily, and I got done. I was to Billy and Chad. I was like, how did Tim just shepherd our people better than us? Like, he got us excited about announcements and prayer meetings. Like, we've been trying to do that for four years. That whole thing where he's like, the announcements are to stir up your affections for Jesus. And we were like, duh, that's it. Like, right, we're still quoting that thing, stir up our affections. For-. That's from Tim. That's from January when Tim preached. And so felt awesome. We brought it to our board then after that and to the leaders in the reality family of churches just to get more eyes on it. And as we did, everyone was in agreement like, gosh, this seems like the good and pleasing will of God. Obviously, a huge question in mind was like, yeah, but what about Reality London? Well, Tim is sharing that story with uh, London today. And it, too, is a story of God's divine provision At the same time that God was orchestrating what was happening here, he was doing a same type of orchestration there in London, specifically with a guy named Bijan from New York City. It's basically like this, really, in one sentence, unbeknownst to any of us, at the exact same moment that I am sensing a call to move over and needing someone like Tim to come in, Tim is actually unbeknownst to us, uh, sensing a call to come back to California, Ventura, hopefully, where he wants to be in the reality family, hopefully, and leave London at the exact same time that there's a guy in New York City who we love, who loves the reality family, who is sensing a call to London to hopefully not plan a church, but take over something else in someone else's position. Literally at the exact same moment in history. You cannot make this up. Only God can write this kind of story. So in January, we then officially offered Tim the job. He officially accepted. We had planned on communicating all of this in April, but then COVID hit and everything went crazy. So here we are in August. Listen, I know that all of us respond to change differently. Um, some of you are super excited right now. Some of you are like, I want to be excited because it seems like God would have a hard time with change. No problem. However you feel or whatever you think, you cannot miss the divine orchestration of God in this. And that is what we are committed to and what we have always been committed to as a church. We want to be right in the middle of whatever God is doing Our cheapest, carry out the call, the ministry that the Lord gave you. Reality Ventura, carry out the ministry that the Lord gave you. Reality London, carry out the ministry that the Lord gave you. Okay, Lord, we want to do that, but how do we do it? Don't worry about it. I'm going to put all the pieces in place for you to have everything and everyone that you need to fulfill this call. Guys, what is happening in this moment, what I'm explaining to you about this transition that is happening at Reality Ventura in this moment is a work of God that only he can orchestrate and he's doing it in order that we can, in order to fulfill the ministry that he has called us to as a church in the coastlands and beyond. So that's the unexpected plot twist in a story that only God could write. Part three, where we go from here. I just want to answer three questions. Okay, Dom, so what will change? What's going to remain the same? And when is this all happening? What's the timeline? First of all, what will change? You need to know that none of this is even going to start changing until January. Uh, Tim won't start until January, and then it will be a slow transition for him to come fully in and me to fully move over. But the first thing that will change is Tim will join our team. He will join our pastoral team as a first among equals. He will be the pastor for preaching and vision. He will eventually lead our preaching team. He will preach regularly, a little more often than I normally preached before COVID. Together with the elders, he will lead in vision Together with the elders, he will help lead and equip the staff. Together with the elders, he will lead equipping classes where we can address things that we can't always address on a Sunday morning. Tim is passionate about and excellent at engaging culture and cultural issues with a biblical and theological worldview. I am personally so looking forward to uh, Tim leading in this way. The other thing that will change, obviously, is my role. To be clear, I'm not moving out. I am moving over. The plan is for me to stay on staff at least part time as long as there are funds to do so. If there are not funds here, I am praying and expecting for God to provide funds from somewhere else so that I can still serve the church in a significant way without being a financial burden to the church. Dom, you can't do that, dude. You can't just be like, well, I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna do this, because I think God's calling me. You don't know where the money's gonna. Yes, I can. I can do this. 23 years of walking with Jesus tells me that my job is to obey God's leading, even if the money's not there. And our story, I don't love it all the time, but our story in our life is that God usually asks my family, to do things before I know how it's going to work out financially. And then he provides once we start moving. I'll tell you what, it's harder, man. The older I get, the harder it is. The older my kids get, the harder it is. The bigger my bills get, the harder it is. But I look back at the last 23 years and I'm like, that's what we've always done. So that's what we're going to do. So God can do this. When I moved to CART, there was no money to pay me. I started volunteering full time in a really significant role, but there was no money for me yet for a year and a half. They couldn't pay me. And God provided for us every single step of the way. Yes, I can ask and expect even. God to do this because I don't believe my work is done at Reality Ventura. I have no desire to leave. And so, uh, if I have vision for specific areas and uh, the team feels like, yes, we want Dom here, he's a vital part of what's happening here, then God's gonna provide for us until my work here is done. So, Emily and I are trusting the Lord to do that and provide for that. As a team, as a staff, as elders, Tim, we are all planning and structuring our team uh, with that in mind. I'm not going anywhere. As far as I know, we are here for the long haul. Love this church. So I will be the pastor for worship life. Here's what that means. The worship life is like the culture of the church, right? This has been a huge part of what I've been focused on the last several years. I don't think anyone's concerned about good theology or quality preaching or us being equipped with Tim coming. But a question that some will ask is, yeah, but what about our culture? What about like who we are? What about the way our gatherings feel? Well, for one, Tim is reality through and through, right? He helped define our reality DNA from the beginning. So that's not going to be a problem. But also my role will be actually more focused on this, which will allow me to have even more intentional time to pour into these things. Additionally, I uh, will preach eventually less, but I will still preach on somewhat of a regular basis. Um, and as the Lord leads, um, I will be at gatherings contributing still to the shepherding of our gatherings. You know those moments when I roll up on stage during second set and I'm like, hey guys, can we sing that bridge again? I think God's wanna say something to us. Hey church, can we just do this and respond to God in this way, that that like prophetic shepherding thing? Like, I'm still going to be here doing that as a part of who we are and something that even Tim is like, yes, dude, like I love that, but that's not my sweet spot. That's your sweet spot. So that'll still be a part of what I do. I'll still be leading some prayer and worship gatherings. I will continue to lead musical worship on somewhat of a regular basis, and I will continue to collaborate with Brian in mentoring worship leaders and working with our worship songwriters. So obviously some of this will develop as Tim gets here, but that's what we know for now. What will remain the same quickly here? Jesus is still the senior pastor, y'all. He is the chief shepherd of the church. Everything will still revolve around him. Speaking of which, our leadership model of plurality, team leadership, shared vision where Jesus is the senior pastor is not going to change. Yes, Tim's influence will be obvious across the board, but not at the expense of the influence of the rest of us. We will each lead in vision in our areas of influence. Chad and Billy will still be doing what they are doing. I will be focused on what I just shared. And we will, as a team with Tim, collaborate on overall vision in the church as we always have. The next thing that will remain the same is our staff and elders. Our staff is not going anywhere, right? Billy, Chad, myself, we are not going anywhere. We are here and we are committed. Tim is not coming to change things. God is adding him to our team to expand it so that we can join in better with what he is already doing. The next thing that's going to remain the same is our team teaching approach. Um, It will look a little bit different, but there will still be a team of us teaching. Those of us who have been preaching will still preach, Uh, We will still have some kind of preaching meeting. And we will still, each of us on the preaching team, speak into uh, the different preaching series and sermons. Our mission will remain the same. That's not changing. Our mission to make disciples of all nations starting right here is not changing. And lastly, our DNA is remaining the same. Our identity is not changing. It's a huge part of what I've contributed to and will continue to contribute to. We are all still the same people. Uh, There will be growth and that's great, but it's not going to feel like a different church, right? Again, Tim is not coming to do another remodel. That's not what is happening here. Our team is simply expanding in order to better fulfill the call of God on our church moving forward. Lastly, what is the timeline? The Chaddix will move here in September, so like next month. Uh, During that time, Tim will still be working with Reality London remotely. Everything in London is all online. There's no, like, in-person anything anywhere. Super locked down because of COVID. And so he's able to move here and finish his transition out um, online from here. But he won't start until January. So October, November, December, Tim's actually going to be taking a sabbatical with his family. The Reality family of churches as a whole have all chipped in to pay for Tim and his family to take a three-month sabbatical before he starts here. Uh, Tim hasn't taken a sabbatical in seven years. Planning a church in London obviously takes a toll on you and your family. Adjusting to life back in the States will take a different kind of toll. So the Reality Family of Churches has graciously provided this for them, which is awesome for them and honestly for us because like we get arrested Tim in January when he starts, which is when he starts. That's the next thing on the timeline. Tim will start at Reality Ventura in January 2021. At that time, we will begin transitioning him into his role, as I described earlier, and me over into my role that I also described earlier. This transition will last at least six to nine months, and we have a staged out plan for that transition. After talking with other churches and organizations who specialize in transitions like this, it was very obvious that uh, because I'm not leaving, there's no reason to like, rush this in like, just a couple of months. Um, we want it to be smooth for, for you. We want it to be smooth for our staff and our key leaders. We want it to be smooth for Tim. Um, so in the beginning, Tim will be observing a lot. He'll be taking in a lot, learning a lot about Reality Ventura and our community. He'll be building relationships with a lot of people on our team and many of you. He'll be collaborating with the elders. Uh, he'll be preaching some right off the bat. And then as those months continue to, go, to move on, he will take on more and more responsibility. He will preach more and more. I will preach less and less until both of us are fully functioning in our long-term roles alongside the elders and the staff. So that's the news. That's how it's happening. That's the things that are changing and when and all of that. I want to say one more thing. But first, uh, Tim recorded a little video that he wants to share with you. So here's Tim from London.
1: Hello, Reality Ventura family. As Dom shared, our greatest desire for the church, for our lives, for our families, is to love God, follow his lead, and to fulfill the purpose that he has for us in it. And that's how we've experienced this last year, just an overwhelming awareness that God was not only stirring in us as a family, but that it's been connected to something so much bigger. We believe that God is on the move in London. We believe that God is on the move in Ventura, even in these times, especially in these crazy times. And this is how we take heart and find peace and even excitement that God is on the move. Now, when I think about all of this, I feel so inadequate to fulfill his call. And yet at the same time, so encouraged by God to take steps of faith because it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're gonna see anything of kingdom significance. I know personally, my family and I are just so grateful for God's guidance and that we have the privilege to participate in what God is already doing in Ventura. I'm also incredibly grateful for how God has provided for the transition here in London and we look forward to how God's going to continue to work through his people. My wife and I are also incredibly humbled by the whole process, by the love and support that we've received here in London and also by the love and support that we've received from the team in Ventura. I love Dom, I love Billy, I love Chad and I'm excited to partner alongside with them and help them lead into what God is already doing. And we do sense that God is doing something special and we just feel so honored and humbled to be a part of that. Also, the staff team that God has assembled to serve you is incredible. The men and women who have served so faithfully out of love, it's not only a testimony of their faithfulness, but also of God's love and care for you. And I'm so thankful for them. We're so looking forward to getting to know you guys personally and step in together into this next season, partnering in the gospel and the ministry that Jesus has for us. Just like Paul told our cheapest in Colossians 4, be sure to carry out the ministry that the Lord gave you. And we think that this is what it all comes down to for every single one of us, being faithful with the ministry that Jesus calls us to and helping each other to do the same in Ventura and beyond. We have been and we will be praying for you guys, and we cannot wait to see you soon. Okay. Let's say to our cheapest, Tim just quoted it
0: be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Rally of Ventura, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. I shared in the beginning how Emily and I were called here by God 16 years ago when God spoke to us from Isaiah 42 about the coastlands. When Tim was here in January, he woke up the first morning here at his hotel in downtown Ventura, sat down with his Bible. It was one of those one year Bibles, right, where um, there's scheduled out readings for every single day of the year. It tells you exactly what chapter to read. Can you guess what chapter was in his one year Bible scheduled for that specific day that he woke up in Ventura? Isaiah 42, Coastlands. This transition is not about me. This transition is not about Tim or our team. This is about what God is already doing in the Coastlands and equipping us to carry that out. There have been so many church plants in the city the last 10 years. These drive me crazy. I'd be like, why are you guys all coming to Ventura? Like, go somewhere else. There's enough churches here. People were coming from all over the country. Last year, uh, I finally realized, like, oh, maybe God is calling all those people to Ventura. It became a hotbed for church plants in the last decade because God is doing something here. And if revival's coming and people are going to be saved in our community, those people are going to need somewhere to be disciples. There's not going to be enough room for them in reality, Ventura. There needs to be a plethora of churches. And so maybe God started calling people from all over the country. I know people who've come here from Chicago and from uh, Denver, Colorado and Orange County, other parts of uh, California, Seattle, Portland, all to plant churches here in the last year. Emily and I were called here from East County, San Diego, by God. And now he is calling another family from London to Ventura to participate in what he's doing. You know what that says to me? God's doing something bigger than any of us and any of our churches. And friends, you're a part of that too. You are grafted into that by the fact that you are here. By the fact that you are here. Maybe you're a part of some other church in our community. That's for you too. That's for you too. This isn't just about Reality Ventura. This is about the coastlands. This is about the coastlands. You are a part of what God is doing. And there are no spectators in the kingdom of God. We don't get to just be like, that's cute. I'll watch from over here on the sidelines. There are only participants in the kingdom of God because we have all been given a specific role in how to participate. And so I'm asking you, church, I'm asking you, child of God, in this season to see that you are grafted into that. We're asking you to not just observe what is happening, but to be involved in it, to participate in what God is doing, to ask God, like, Lord, what does that look like for my own life? What does that look like for my presence here in the coastlands? What does it look like for me to lean into what you are doing here? As I shared last week, I believe that the Father in this moment is gathering us around his his dining table as his children, and he's like, hey, come here, come here. You two, come here. Hey, get off the thing, come here. And he's like, I'm going to tell you guys what I did today. Who is a good one. Okay, so here's how it went down, all right. And he's he's even sharing the story of like, oh, there was all these pieces, and Dom was feeling this thing, and the elders are feeling this, and I was doing this over here at this church, and and then over here in London and New York, he's like just telling the whole story, and we're like, like what, father? And then he's like, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And he's saying to us, You want to join me tomorrow? I'm going out, I'm doing work, you want to join me tomorrow? I'm praying that we would have the grace to say, heck yeah, Father. Of course, why would I not want to participate in that? Lord, give us grace to participate in what you are doing, to join in with what you're doing, God.